Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Winged Octopus. I'm Tyler here, along with um, Chris, Travis, Tanner, and uh, our special guest um, George from Kukula's Corner. George, how are you doing today? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing pretty good here in Boston. George, uh, Chris, how are you doing today in Canada? I'm, yeah, in Toronto. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and in North Carolina, we have Tanner. How are you doing today, sir? I'm living the dream, man. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. And Travis in Michigan, the only one in Michigan right now. How are you doing? Actually, George is in Michigan. I lied. It's pretty cold here in Michigan, <laughs> not going to lie. They said this week is the first of spring, and it's a bullshit. <laughs> it, it's, it's, an, it's absolute BS because, like, the other day, it was the first day of spring or whatever. It was, like, negative two degrees here. It's ridiculous. Um, but anyways, without further ado, we're going to give a shout out to our sponsors here. Um, first, uh, we're going to shout out uh, WorldwideStubs.com. Tickets to all sporting events, concerts, and other events. Use promo code BARDOWN uh, for a certain percent off. Um, I actually did it the other day uh, for my opening day tickets. I also did it for a Supercross race that I'm going to uh, at MetLife. So it's quick, it's painless, and it's pretty cheap. So uh, check them out. Our next sponsor is Original Sticks. Um, they basically make um, recycled or they make phone cases out of recycled ho hockey sticks. Definitely cool. I've gotten one. Um, they have some cool apparel too, and they actually partnered with Wings Own Danny DeKaiser on a clothing line. And you can follow them on Twitter at Original Sticks. Um, so without further ado, we're going to actually get this thing going here. So. Um, Basically, the first topic is going to be here, uh, the Thomas Tatar um, on fire right now, and also a little bit of some contract talk. So, George, since you're, uh, since you're the guest here, we're going to have, have you start here. So what are your thoughts on Thomas Tatar's hot streak right now? And I guess we're going to narrow this down to um, what do you think he's going to get um, in restricted free agency, either from the Red Wings or from another team? I think that uh, obviously his hot streak is uh, it's good for Thomas. It's good for the team. It's not good for the tank. Uh, I hate, hate, <laughs> hate saying that, but it's not good for the tank. If, if we are supposed to root for the tank um, and the higher draft position, uh, it's coming at a terrible time. But uh, it, from a personal perspective, as a, as a somebody who's cheering for the team, it's it's been good to see that he eventually came around, and um, I'll I'll take it uh, sort of as some cold consolation that that later in the season he was able to finally get his uh, get his shit together, as it were, but. Uh, in terms of what it means in terms of his, his future contract, I'm a little concerned about that because uh, I, I, some, I, th I think it was Prasanth Iyer who said on Twitter um, that you, you've got to take the, the quote-unquote expected goals into, into um, account, and we were expecting yep. him to score a whole lot earlier. And yeah, definitely. Because he's not, uh, because because it took him so long. Uh, I don't think that that it's it's really fair to to give him prime time. He scores twenty goals over the course of the entire season. Money for for that. I don't think he's going to get it anyway. 
I, I think that that he's probably going to end up with with some sort of bridge deal because the Wings are kind of low on con- uh, uh, cap space this season. But um, for sure, it, it, it it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a sticky situation. It, it makes for good talk. Let's put it that way. So for sure. Um, so here's a follow up question, if if you don't mind me just interrupting real quick. Does he get Gustav Nyquist money? Maybe, I mean, because Gustav Nyquist's money isn't all that much uh, over value. And what um, do you mean by that exactly? Well, I just mean that uh, that all things considered, Gustav Nyquist is making what is it four point seven. Um, and, and if, if, if you're looking at 4.75 million for Gustav Nyquist production and you look around four and a half to four and a quarter to four and a half for Thomas Tatar production, um, you're not out of the realm of possibility there, uh, in terms of, uh, having a contract that you can still move if you really want to move it, um, or having a contract that is, that isn't outlandish. I mean, if Darren Helm is getting nearly $4 million to do Darren Helm things uh, to some extent, (laughs) you know, that's, that's, that's where it gets me is that, that, that the the contracts of Helm and Ablocator have really bumped up the market for everybody on the Red Wings. It's kind of sickening to see in a way. Um, But, uh, thanks for that, George. Um, so we're going to go on to Chris, if you're ready. Um, what are your thoughts on the uh, Thomas Tatar uh, hot streak, and how do you see this contract situation playing out? Hey, Chris, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, there you, you go. Me? Sorry, we couldn't okay. hear you for a second. Okay, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so I'm with... Uh, I'm with George with how he said, you know, as, as a fan of the team, it's it's something uh, you like to see uh, Thomas Tatar scoring goals. But over the course of an 82-game se- season, expected to do more, and he was supposed to do it consistently. Um, now, for anybody that follows me, I, I kind of like to play devil's advocate, and I like to r- rustle some feathers. Uh, so what I'm going to say is, personally, my best interest to probably trade Thomas Tatar uh, before uh, – because we do need help on the blue line. And Thomas Tatar, if marketed well, could probably get us that help on the blue line. On top of that, I feel like Thomas is very uh, expendable when if he's destined to really just be a 20 to 25 goal scorer, we have that in Anthony Manta. We have that in Andreas Patasneo. We have that in Dylan Larkin. In many players and even most likely players coming up in the the youths and in the AHL and the, with Grand Rapids. Uh, yeah. If sure. they, but if they do, if they do go along the lines of, okay, we want to resign him. Um, I would hope that it's no more than what uh, gets just because it's like machine. The other one, well, I don't want the machine. And the other one is the, the goal scoring uh, guys, so literally, it's like they pretty much are. The, they're pretty much the same defensively. 
swap, and so they just one gets the goals, the other one gets the assist. So literally, I'm looking that they should do no more than a five million per, as far as yeah, as far as contract wise. So, so you're saying he deserves a little bit more than Gustav Nyquist does, correct? Well, not not necessarily. I'm just saying in and around that. In like, and around like, that. Okay. If, if, if Gus is if he's getting the four points, like I don't know what what he is getting for sure, but if if the numbers were correctly said, like yeah, it's a four point seven. I would say four point seven per year is good for Thomas Tatar. Like really, they're not the next Euro Twins. They're not uh, the next Eisen Shanahan. Really, the next possibly uh, no better than a second liner, third line out kind player. That's the way I look at it. Um, and our, our future really doesn't hinge on them. They may, it may have hinged on them a couple of years back, but I mean, they're now at, at a point in their, their career where I think we see what they're capable of. They're not going to improve. This is what they are. So it's kind of like, yeah. you know what? I think that's a possibility. I also think that, that the the Dylan Larkin people and the Andreas Athanasiu and and uh, Anthony Mantha people are just you know that they've passed them. The, those players have passed Gustav Nyquist and Thomas Tatar because you know those guys at one yeah. point a lot of people thought they could be superstars. And sorry to cut you off, Chris, but we do uh, kind of okay. have to move on. So um, Tanner and Mich- uh, Tanner in yeah. North Carolina, what do you think on the uh, Thomas Tatar? Uh, hot streak and also the contract situation. So I'm going to kind of play uh, devil's advocate as well. Obviously, the as George mentioned, the hot streak kind of hurts um, their tanking options. It also kind of hurts uh, the amount of money he would make for a contract. If he's very hot going into the offseason, then he's probably going to command more money. Uh, we talked about the slow start that he got off to. Before he got a hat trick uh, about halfway through December uh, versus Anaheim, he had just four goals in 31 games, which is kind of alarming and, and not as inconsistent as you want to see him. You know, just two years ago, he had 56 points uh, in a season, and he has, he, I think he fell like about 13 short points short of that mark last year, and uh, he might fall quite a bit short again this year. But um, I was kind of looking at some of the contracts that guys uh, signed in the offseason uh, in comparisons to what Thomas Tatar could make. Uh, David Backus signed a five-year, $30 million uh, dollar deal with the Bruins, and he's 32 years old now. He's had some similar stats to Tatar over the last couple seasons. Um, and then also looking at uh, Mikhail Bodker of, from the Sharks, uh, four years, 16 mil, and his stats were a little bit lower than what Thomas Tatar's were. Um, now, Tatar's only 26. That'll be where he has helped. So I could see him kind of sitting between those two players, maybe signing a four- or five-year deal uh, between 20 and 25 mil. Um, and that would set him up to be, you know, 31 years old by the time that is done with and probably could get another big payday by then. Um, but, you know, he's had about right. nine points in the last seven games. Um, it's good to see him kind of come alive. I agree. Now, do you think that, that Thomas Tatar right now is a part of the future? Or do you think he's more of uh, the here and now and, and they should extend him? Or do you think they should try and move him? I think he's part of the future. Um, I think he's just got to become more more uh, consistent. He's He has the potential to be that 45 to 60-point uh, season guy. Uh, the guy I would like to probably see that move would actually be uh, Gustav Nyquist. Okay. I mean, a lot of people feel the same way. Travis, your thoughts on, on this topic? All right. Well, it's uh, been interesting to hear everyone's different opinions, and we're all expecting the wings to tank. 
And with <laughs> some of the players growing hotter towards the end of the season, it's definitely an, an unvaluable thing to see as we're trying to get the higher draft pick, as we all know. Um, and like, you know, George and everyone, we've all mentioned that it's at a bad time. It's a little bit too late because it's really not going to mean anything. And it's just going to – Tatar is going to pose a threat for contract price. And I think we keep him. He's going to be part of the future to answer that question for you, Tyler. Just because we expected him and Nyquist to perform together. They were like a duo. And we expected Nyquist along with Tatar to produce. And they, along with the rest of the team, didn't. And it, <clears throat> this year has been pretty bad. But I don't think he he goes as a part of the rebuild. I think that we keep him and Nyquist and they become – a big duo for us as we see some of the veterans leaving us in the next couple of years or so. Um, I so know you Zetterberg think there's has... a veteran. What's that? So you think that like, basically what I'm saying is like when Zetterberg's gone and those guys are gone, you think he's going to be a part of the, the Abdulkaders and the Nyquist and the Tatars. You think th those three are going to be a part of the future as far as, you know, be being able to be with some consistency with, you know, some veterans and they'll be like the older guys, Nyquist and Tatar being. Yeah. I, I think if we resign him to like a three to five year deal, um, he grows – him and Nyquist kind of grow with the team and kind of show more leadership um, as Zetterberg and, like, Cronwell's career starts to end and Abdicator maybe um, uses the A on his jersey as more of a leadership tool instead of just a letter and actually <laughs> produces with it. Um, but that's not to say that it's what's going to happen because we all know the management here under the Red Wings is – God awfully surprising. So we never know. I mean, we could be thrown a curveball when this free agency happens and he could be gone in a blink of an eye. But it's interesting that Tanner, that you're comparing contracts like David Backus and Mikel Bodker. I, right. I mean, shoot, it'd be nice to have someone like Mikel Bodker, even with those lower stats, but he's no so question. young that his, his development would be, you know, something nice to have. Not saying Tatar can't still be, but. And then, like, David Backus, God, he is old. He's been through through so many teams, but Tatar only playing for the Red Wings. It would be interesting to see how – if Tatar went to another team. And it's always interesting to compare players when they leave the Red Wings on how they're doing on different teams. Yeah, I mean, there's players already. Uh, Thomas Yurko, there's uh, Steve Ott, there's Vanek. Polkinen. Uh, yeah, I mean – Pippi from a few years ago. Jealous. What was that, Tanner? Phil Pula from a few years ago. Oh, yeah, Phil Pula, yeah. Um, so we're going to move on, guys, um, and I, I appreciate all your thoughts. Or I guess I'll, I'll toss something in there. So what I think about Thomas Tatar, the hot streak, it's a little bit late right now. Um, but, hey, you know what? Better late than never, I guess. It's good to pad his stats. Um, hopefully it gives him some confidence going into the summer and ultimately going into next season. Um, hopefully he doesn't ask for the moon and the stars because we just don't have that to give him. And, uh, I would say just ultimately, I think that they extend him. I think I'm with George though. I think they give him a bridge deal, a two year deal, kind of like a Peter Morazic contract. Um, and you know, they just go from there. Um, so we're going to move on here. Uh, we're going to go to topic, uh, topic number two here. It's basically, what do you guys think of Dylan Larkin at center? Um, 
so far here in 2016-17. I know he hasn't played a whole lot of it, but he's been playing a little bit more of it. And do you guys think he's a center um, going forward? So I'm going to start with you, Tanner. All right. So obviously, um, if you guys haven't read it, the first article I wrote with Winged Octopus a couple weeks ago was about Dylan Larkin and his sophomore slump. Um, it's kind of alarming. You know, ever since I wrote that article, he's been a better offensive player um, because, of course. Um, but his plus minus has been kind of alarming this year, and I don't know if that hides how bad their defense is, but he sits at a plus minus right now that is minus 28, which ties him for third worst in the league. Um, and it's just kind of alarming to look at it. In the team's losses, he sits at minus 30. Now, this is a guy who he could have been spoiled by in his rookie season for as well as he played, but he, his plus minus, I think, last season was plus 11, which was third on the team just behind uh, Pavel Datsuk and Henrik Zetterberg. Um, I would like to see him play more at center. I think his sophomore season, he'll learn he has a little bit more growing to do. Um, but, you know, kind of that plus minus and just how he's played some this season, whether we've been spoiled by his rookie season or not, is just um, is just something that he has to battle through only being 20 years old. Now, following up on that, do you think he's a center long-term on this team? Um. You know, I don't, I don't really know. Um, I, I guess that kind of depends on the health of Darren Helm, uh, how many more years uh, Henrik Zetterberg has. Um, I don't know what his face-off numbers are like. Um, that Not was very main, good. Yeah, and, and I know that was the main reason, you know, Pavel Datsuk was so damn good in the face-off circle. Um, as is Zetterberg. And as Zetterberg. So, I mean, those can really change a game. I like the guy better on the wing to where he can use his speed, but um, I don't think he's a center right now. I, I would agree with that. I think, but I do think they should keep him at center because that's how, especially in these games that literally mean absolutely nothing um, to, to what you, what determines your fate in this season. This season's done. It's over. You know, the, the playoff streak's dead. Um, you might as well do whatever you can to get him on the ice. You get him in the middle and, and you go from there. Um, we're going to move on to George. George, what do you think on this topic here? Um, for the moment, I, I agree with you in that it, it doesn't hurt to have Larkin at center it, it, it down the stretch. Uh, I don't know if he's a center long-term. I think, uh, that's performance-based. Um, and it obviously thus far, his performance at center hasn't been great. Um, but I, I I tend to lean toward the the belief that what we saw from his first year is is Dylan Larkin at his best. Uh, that he sort of had like a Nicholas Lidstrom season where where your rookie season is is where you max out and then you have a drop for a couple of years. I'm not saying that he's Nicholas Lidstrom, but um, in terms of his consistency, but he nice, I do believe. Yeah, it would be wonderful, <laughs> but I do believe that that he's got more more to give, and uh, for now, put him at center and and let the minuses pile up. Uh, but next season, uh, pay a lot more close attention to it. Uh, if he if he struggles for any length of time at center, then pull him off, play him as the wing. You know, um, I think the wings need to be aggressive about this and and realistic that if he's not a future first line center, it's not the end of the world. If he's, if Dylan Larkin is a second line winger, he's a pretty damn good second line winger when he's at his best. So yeah, that's my I would take. say so too. 
I would say so too. And I also would say that if he's a, if he's a first line winger, that would even be ideal because I mean, guys like Patrick Kane end up playing uh, first line wing or even second line wing. I mean, I know Chicago's a team that we shouldn't really compare to because we're nothing like Chicago at this point in time. But I mean, those are the kind of players you'd compare him to if he's going to play the wing. He's got some speed. He can shoot. Um, I know Patrick Kane is a little bit smaller than he is, but you get the gist. Um, Definitely. Travis, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, George. No, it's fine. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, I'm, to me, the the biggest concern is is that the Red Wings be as aggressive as possible in this situation, not to – I leave Larkin hanging on the vine as uh, I mean that minus number is is pretty terrifying when it, you, you get close to minus 30 that's a lot more than luck going on and um, yeah obviously you want to see the the you want to see the wings um, nip that shit in the bud to put it bluntly I would I would definitely agree with that I definitely agree. Um, without further ado, we're going to move on. Travis, uh, your thoughts on this? Um, yeah, Tanner, since your article that you first wrote with us here at Wing Octopus, uh, Larkin definitely has been performing better. Um, I, I like it where he's at at center right now. Obviously, like we've said, it doesn't really matter, so it's not hurting us. It kind of lets the management and the coaching staff see like what he can do, like when there isn't anything to hang on to, um, it it kind of tests him to see like if he's gonna play when there's nothing to, for better lack of words, give a shit about. What will he do when there becomes more competition on the ice or out there in the league, like he should have done here in the beginning of the season, um, but in different stakes, you know, like a playoff run in the next three to five years or so where we could end up down the far, the further stretch than just a first round boot. Um, could he be a future centerman for the wings possibly with more physical plays and uh, using his body more, not saying he's going to be like ever a Todd Bertuzzi, but you know what I mean? He could really develop his line being a centerman and showing some leadership with the right wingers with him, whether it's, you know, Mantha or Tatar, Mantha Nyquist, that kind of thing. I I mean, I agree with that. I think that long-term he's not going to be the most physical player in the world. Um, But even like in the world juniors and playing at the university of Michigan, he was a decent uh, defensive center. And, um, you know, that's dropped off significantly to the point where they had to move him back to the wing. And now they have him back at center in games that literally mean nothing now. Um, But I do think that he does. Here, I want to throw it out to you, actually, Travis. Do you think he's got to put on some pounds? Do you think he's got to put on some more muscle and some more weight uh, to handle center? Or do you think he's good as is to play center? Yeah, I would agree that definitely more muscle is going to be uh, something for him to build. Um, because, you know, he, he is, he's a tall, you know, he has some height on him and, you know, I'd like him to use his size to his advantage. And if he's going to be, um, I would say like a playmaker center that he would use his body to his advantage, not saying he's going to be a goon, but, you know, being able to use 
uh, his size to his advantage, I think is going to be something in the future that will be critical of his position. I agree on that. And uh, so, Chris, your, your thoughts on this, the Dylan Larkin at center situation here? Uh, pretty much everything uh, seems like it's been stated. I agree with it all. Like, uh, all I'm going to say is this. I'll keep it short and sweet is the kid is only 20 years old. Like, it's it, – it, being to go from college hockey to the NHL is a learning curve. He was drafted as a center, and NHL is obviously different than to play it in in uh, in minor league hockey. So, you know what? Like you guys have said, let the, let the growing pains go through the next ten games. You know what I mean? And then keep an eye on it uh, starting next year. And we all know what he's capable of on the wing. Um, their plan really is to put him back at center and make him a full-time center, like, it's they, – they just got to – gotta they got to work with him. You know what I mean? He's only 20. He'll win that position soon enough. But, I mean, if, if worse comes to worse it's, and it's a liability, just throw him back on the wing. You know what I mean? Just don't put him on a line with Sheehan. I mean, we can all agree here that he's a pretty good winger when he plays it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, that that's that, – I guess it's just more of an experiment. Let's see if he can play center, because if he can play center, now we have our center of the future. If not, now we have to go out and draft one. So, I mean, I guess I guess that's that's kind of where we sit on that. So the, the, the third topic here is going to be um, a little bit more centered around George. Obviously, you guys are going to be able to chime in and everything. Um, but it's kind of going to be a question for all you guys, but it's going to be – it's going to start with George, and it's going to branch off to you guys. So the first thing – just George, give me a quick evaluation on what you thought of the trade deadline this season, given uh, uh, you know the market and everything like that. I think the Wings did the absolute best that they possibly could, um, uh, and that is also taking into account the fact that Ken Holland has become less than um, absolutely stellar at making trades. Let's go with that. Um, I think that they, they could probably could have gotten a little more for Thomas Vanek, but uh, he at 33 years old he, um, and having bounced around as much as he had uh, has, it's certainly understandable that that a, that a third rounder is about as high as it's going to go. I was surprised uh, at what they got for Brendan Smith. Uh, uh, pleasantly surprised and you know, Steve Ott was just, that was sort of a courtesy deal. Uh, uh, it's nice for him to win the lottery and get to go to Montreal and be w with a team that might, might go on a deep run. Um, I didn't expect the wings to be any more aggressive than they were. Um, I know that there were some people that were wanted that were expecting them to try and move Mike green or e even some, some people were hoping that, that they would, tr the wings would, would, would somehow, uh, get get rid of Darren Helmer or, or Justin Abdelkader, but um, I thought they did okay. And uh, going forward, yes, you want to maximize your draft picks and you want to maximize your cap space. And uh, the question for me is whether you guys think that uh, Thomas Vanek should be coming back, whether you think that Steve Ott has a future at the with the Red Wings. Uh, you know, whether you want Brendan Smith to return at some point, um, because I think that the, the Red Wings defense right now, uh, obviously it needs a lot of help, 
but uh, in terms of having the kids playing, I'm I'm pretty satisfied with with the way it looks uh, as a work in progress. And I can say the same up front uh, that we're, that more more kids playing is better for the organization long term, and um, to some extent seeing what Riley Sheehan really has to give uh, when there's nothing on the line, which doesn't seem to be all that much, uh, seems to, it might, might force Ken Holland's hand. Who knows that that's the optimist in me. Uh, but that's my take. It was, it was a moderately successful trade deadline given that Ken Holland is no longer uh, trader Joe. So we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, just to play devil's advocate very quickly, like we haven't seen a significant trade, uh, you know, in the off season other than the Pavel Datsuk trade. We haven't seen a significant trade by Ken Holland since the Brad Stewart deal in like 2007 or 2008. That's true. We have not seen Ken Holland move incredibly aggressively uh, to add anybody it sent Stuart. Uh, let's let's say it move incredibly aggressively to add somebody that worked out. You know, we the Wings were very aggressive in in going after Eric Cole and David Legwand. That didn't work out at all. Oh, um, no, not at all. And and oh. you know and and in that situation, you've got Kelly Yarncroc and uh, Matthias Janmark playing playing and and in in Yarncroc's case making at least a decent contribution to another team. So that's a center. yeah, that's a center. Uh, it's a second line center, but he's a center. Um, he reacquired so, Kyle Quincy one year at the deadline too, for a first rounder, I believe. Yeah. Then the first rounder, the first rounder became Andre Vasilevsky of the Tampa Bay lightning. So, you know, <laughs> So, oh, like man, I said, not so no bad. longer no longer the the greatest trader in the world. But uh, the more draft picks, the better. Especially, and and I'm that's where I will I will say one thing, and um, and then I'll shut up. Uh, it, that is <laughs> the, the 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 concept that the 2017 draft is is somehow uh, of little to no consequence. Generally speaking, we've seen the the drafts play out to the point that uh, no matter how quote unquote thin the draft is supposed to be, these guys you end up getting some sort of decent asset, and and I think that that the the Wings fans will be pleasantly surprised uh, as long as the the team uh, follows Tyler Wright's. Uh, bidding at the draft that if they let the draft staff do what they want instead of going for the big going for the big name they'll be fine and i think that that this will be a fruitful draft this year as well as next so now just to throw this at you and i know it, it's not really totally with this topic but it kind of is and, and just kind of yes or no here um does ken holland return next year and does jeff blashell return n next year very quickly Yes and yes. Uh, yes, and yes. I'm. Okay. I believe that Ken Holland. Ken Holland has a year left on his deal, and I believe that he's going to play out the deal, and then he may move into an advisory position because he's started to talk about getting older. He's going to be. He's going to be sixty 
and he may want to do what Jimmy DeVolano does is sort of a semi-retired, uh, when I, when you need me, I'll be there for you type of guy. But I believe that Ken Holland stays. I believe that Chris Illich will let things play out. And I definitely, I believe Jeff Blashell is going to stay. Okay. All right. I, I mean, I, I, I disagree with you on the Jeff Blashell thing, just because of how this team has looked um, at times this season, but I guess right now, I mean, I don't, it's kind of tough to make a move. Um, but Chris, I, I want to get your thoughts on, on this. What, what was just a quick evaluation on the trade deadline this season for the wings? Um, yeah, I think they really couldn't get, uh, more than what they really got in return. Um, the big, the biggest disappointment, I think all in all is the fact that conditional draft pick that they would receive I don't know how it's worded uh, the one in the bandit deal where it would have turned to a Phoenix draft pick if, but it's, I think that's the biggest disappointment is the fact that now it turns out to be the Florida draft pick um, but uh, all in all uh, they did pretty well you know they, they, they stockpiled draft picks which is what everybody expected to happen um, uh, I know people were expecting a first uh, round draft pick for Vanek. I don't want to say that Holland got hosed on that, but I kind of think that the fact that they received Mipplerath in that deal, who was a first overall draft pick. First round ago, pick. Um, yes, the first round pick, sorry, first round pick years ago. Um, that might've been that first round draft pick that they could have got for Vanek. Um, and they're, I guess, I, I don't know what their plan is for Mikkel Rapids, if they're going to see if maybe, you know, have him play in Grand Rapids and then give him a fresh training camp next year and see if he can live up to his patience. Um, but all in all, like, um, they, they got pretty much what, uh, what was expected. Uh, now it's all about chances to see, do these draft picks turn out to be Steel. I definitely um, agree. I, the, there we'll have. I definitely agree. The wings, uh, the the um, the front office is going to be pleasantly surprised, and I think they're going to be pretty excited to go in there and they have twelve or thirteen cracks at it. Uh, Travis, your thoughts on what they did at the deadline? Just you know, very quickly, as quick as possible. Yeah, I thought it was a surprise for us all. Obviously, we didn't get what. Everyone had hoped for Vanek. We thought we were just going to get a an upcoming first-round pick. And maybe uh, McIlwerth will prove us, you know, to be a, an out, a stand-up defenseman for us. He's got some potential. He's young. And knowing that this, this draft year isn't that great, maybe it's for the better that we didn't get that uh, draft pick out of Vanek. Maybe it's better that we have uh, – you know, McIlrath on the team who could potentially come out to, uh, you know, play for us. Um, surprising to see what we got for Yurko um, doing what he's doing in Chicago. And, uh, you know, as far as seeing Brendan Smith go, he had, he's did all he could for us with the Red Wings this season. I know, we kind of tackle our defensemen and hate on them a lot, but I think uh, it'd be nice to see Smith come back. I agree with that, actually. I think the Red Wings need all the help they can get on the back end, although I do like the kids back there. 
But if a guy like Cronwall were to just say, hey, you know what, uh, you know, my knees are really bad. I don't really think I can play anymore. I, you know, I want to spend more time with my family. I'm, I'm going to go on long-term injury reserve. Well, there you go. There, there's a spot for Brendan Smith right there. And now the, the only place I would disagree with you on is in bringing Smith back is I think they already tried to extend him and they couldn't reach a, a deal there. And so they had to move him. And so that's kind of where I would end that discussion. But, hey, you never know. Maybe, you know, he goes to that free agency market and he doesn't get the payday uh, that he that he expected. And, hey, you know what? So that happens all the time. And, and he just comes crawling back to the Red Wings. Hey, what was that deal again? I'll take that. So, hey. Um, Tanner, your thoughts on uh, the Red Wings trade deadline this this past season or this season? I'm glad uh, Holland kind of came to grips uh, with reality and, you know, made some moves. Um, I, I loved watching Thomas Vanek play, um, but, you know, overall it was the right business decision. Um, I am curious because there are a lot of whispers. We all know how much a right-handed defenseman means to a team right now. I am curious what the asking price was for Mike Green or what others were, um, others were ponying up for him. Um, obviously, I like having Mike Green. I think he's a good player, but um, just kind of curious – uh, what teams were asking for him or what Ken Holland was going to other teams with the asking price on that. Um, so as far as, you know, whether re-signing Vanek, um, obviously he's a little bit older. You know, the last couple off-seasons they've gone out and signed veteran guys to a year or two contracts. And I think a little bit, a little bit of doing that has stalled some of their youth development. Um, so I was glad to see them make moves at the deadline. That way they could see some of these guys uh, come up to the team and, actually get some playing time and get to see them, whereas they're not, you know, sticking them in Grand Rapids or uh, sticking them on the bench as a healthy scratch. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and, and the guy that I've really been excited to see that's come up is uh, Robbie Russo. I think he's played pretty good with Xavier Ouellette. Um, and, and I think that it, it's a shame that Ryan Sproul isn't getting time but it may be a blessing in disguise because we do get to see Robbie Russo and what he's capable of. Um, so we're going to move on to the next one here. Um, basically, George, I'm going to start with you again, if you don't mind. Um, who do you think right now on the Red Wings, I guess if you want to narrow it down to the young guys, you can. Who has taken the biggest step forward uh, this season? Nick Jensen. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> Nick Jensen, by, uh, by any any standard of, of the imagination to go from somebody who the Red Wings thought was going to be a really great AHL defenseman um, and that's it to somebody who stole Alexi Marchenko's job and looks like a really solid second pair guy um, you know the, with the skating that, that he has to, I'm, I'm just incredibly impressed by what by what he did and i think it's great because i i don't know just because i, I watched him d develop over the over the course of those summer development camps and i watched him get and i remember the look on his face after i was in the locker room when he got in that fight with tyler bertuzzi which is you huh. know the, the the never 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 get in a fight during the prospect camp it's like the only damn rule and and the look on his face, knowing that that his shoulder was messed up enough that he needed surgery, um, so having to see having seen him come 
as far as he has was just fantastic. I was really thrilled with that. To me, um, there's nobody who's taken a bigger step. Um, and, you know, uh, then otherwise I might go with, uh, um, I, I, I would go with uh, Anthony Mantha over Andreas Athanasiu. And I would say that because Mantha, when, when you guys have seen, we, we've all seen it, Mantha, when he doesn't move his feet, the, the Johan Franzen-like comparisons of just sort of floating around, along there yeah. and, and the Johan Franzen-like comparisons of what he can do when he moves his feet and, and he can score goals like he did last night against Montreal. He, he's really come a long way in terms of his maturity and that's been Im- impressive to see and um, in terms of his physical game. And it's just, it, it, it's just heartening to, uh, like I said, as, as, as somebody, when you go up to those prospect camps and you see the, you see the guys that when they're younger and you see their um, habits and you see the habits change and you see the work that they put in, you see them grow literally and phys- physically grow up over the years um, it's just really fantastic to watch those two guys, watch Jensen and Mantha grow. So those are my two picks. I agree. I think the only other one that I would, uh, I personally, so basically I'm just going to kind of say who I would say. I definitely agree with Jensen. I definitely agree with Anthony Mantha because when Mantha came up this season or before he came up this season, he didn't make this team because he didn't want to back check in the AHL. And even in the AHL, he wasn't back checking that well, but he was still putting the puck in the back of the net. And at the end of the day in the AHL, that's what matters. And then you come up to the NHL and you figure out, Hey, you got to play that 200 foot game. And if you don't, you're going to sit your ass on the bench. And he got a taste of that a few weeks, uh, a few days ago, actually. Uh, no, it was about a week ago against the Rangers. So, um, but that's the, I definitely agree with those two. Um, so, Chris, what are your thoughts on who's taken the furthest step forward for the Red Wings this season? Um, I would have to say one would be Anthony Manta, uh, especially going from piece of this team to pretty much being a future piece of this team or whatever Holland had said earlier. You mean this, uh, the spare part? Year. Yeah, that's it. So <laughs> going from a spare part to pretty much the damn transmission. Um, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's good to see. You know what I mean? That uh, he pretty much took that album and put it into his game and has now said, you know what? No, you do need me kind of thing. You know what I mean? So it's good to see uh, his... Uh, um, and you would just hope that this is a sign of things to come that he would even be better next year. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't think he'll be a 50-goal scorer like he was in the in uh, juniors or whatever, or what was it? I think 86 goals that he had in 86 games. He's not going to do that, but um, becoming a 30 goal guy. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree. I think he could be a 30, 30 goal guy in the NHL, but he's got to put the work in and he's got to play the 200 foot game because otherwise he's going to have his ass sat on the bench and he's going to play nine minutes a night. And, and that's what it comes down to really. That's really what it comes down to. Go ahead, Chris. I would hope that he does. I really hope that he would learn, um, you know, the, the two-ended game. But at the same time, like, the Red Wings got to go away from this, you know, two-ended game like thing. Like, I understand, you know, that they a lot of Red, the Red Wing greats that can play a two-way game. 
Steve Eisman, Bernie Shanahan, Zetterberg, Datsuk, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, it never hurts to have that one guy that just sits in the slot and just snipes. Like it's, to me, like, I know I understand how this team is built and it would never hurt to just have that one guarantee we'll put the puck in the back of the net. But I mean, if he's got to learn the game and if he does want to play in the NHL, at least for the Red Wings, he'll learn that. And I know he, yeah, I, I don't see a problem with him doing that. Um, another guy I would say that has really improved, and this is probably a random, uh, random shutout. Um, even though he's been injured majority of the year this year, he battled injuries last year. But seeing the way he played last year versus the way he played this year, Jimmy Howard's been on top of this game. I have to say, for a guy that has been pretty much left for dead because of the way Peter Mrazek had played for half a season last year, um, and then had every time he let a puck in the back of the net, to be quite honest with you, I think Jimmy Howard has been the make or break of this team being, I don't want to say in the playoffs, but at least battling for the playoffs late in the season. Because if he would have, he probably would have continued his play the way he was in the first month and a half. And we'd probably be talking about the possibility of continuing being dead by December 1st. So, uh, so you know what I I got to stick by my man and I think he honestly he's, he's been liked out this year you see I saw a stat today by uh, who was it I can't remember who posted it but um, in goalies that played at least 20 games this year he's got the best goals against the best save percentage I understand it's only 20 games but over the course of another another 25 games we could have probably been looking at a team that's maybe two, three points out of a playoff spot right now. I agree. And, and Ken Daniels said it the other day, but uh, the only devil's advocate thing I would say here is the power play has been absolutely pathetic. And I don't know what they're going to do to address it. I'm not, I don't care to really talk about it, but I do care to say that it has been pathetic and yes, they needed goaltending and they've needed, um, but they've also they've also needed that power play. The power play has been terrible, and they're not going anywhere with that power play being at thirteen percent or whatever the heck it is. Um, Tanner, your thoughts on um on who you think uh, has been the best um, you know, this season? Yeah, I'll keep it kind of short here, um, because I think the no brainer is Anthony Mantha. Um, he's currently only like one of the three guys on the team who has a plus minus that is positive. Um, he's along with Zetterberg and Olette in that category. Um, but I'm going to kind of branch off here with, with the, um, biggest year or most improved year. And I honestly think it's Hendrik Zetterberg, just what, what he's been able to do at age 36, um, being the captain of a team that is pretty young. Um, you know, he's got 60 points so far this year, and I believe that's like 21 more than the next closest, uh, person on the team. Um, just what he's meant to this team and taking a step forward. Um, you know, he's had more points um, than he did two years ago, but um, it's been since 2011, 2012 that he's at least uh, had over 60 points. Um, I just think w- with the progression and probably somewhat has to do with some of these young guys like Mantha playing well, um, I think you have to credit a lot of that to the captain. I agree. I think Zetterberg is 
been tremendous. And, and you know what? And you can argue he's been the best player on the team. And actually, you know what? You can't argue. He has been the best player on the team. No question. And there's no question about it in my mind. And for some of these people, and I don't want to bring up Twitter, but some of these people on Twitter and social media and even people I've talked to in person that say Henrik Zetterberg's not – shouldn't be you know shouldn't be um looked at as a, a red wing great is just it's a joke it really it's is it's an absolute joke and it's mind-boggling and for some people to say that he shouldn't even be on the same plane as as Datsuk drives me absolutely insane but without going too much into that uh Travis your thoughts on who's taken the best step forward for the red wings this season and try to make it as quick as possible um well, I'm going to go with the popular vote, and Mantha wins that, of course. Um, Chris, you mentioned that even if Mantha is someone who just sits in the slot and snipes, you know, I think he that's like an Alex Ovechkin. That's that's who mm-hmm. that is. And uh, if the Wings exactly. are able to get that out of Anthony Mantha one day in the coming years as a Red Wing, that would be great. Um but like you've said, Tyler, he does need to play a two-way game because it's not about just your position. It's about your whole team. Um, yep. As far as who's had the, you know, the, you know, the best season, I, I agree with you, Tanner. Zetterberg definitely has shown that he is still a Red Wing. And even though he is, you know, of age, he can still produce. And he's shown that coming off, his surgery in the last couple of years that he can still uh, play really great hockey and that he means a lot to this team. And I know like the Red Wings have gotten older players from different teams like Alfredson, like Juan, um, you know, just signing these one or two year deal busts just to see what potential they still have. Well, Zetterberg, he's flaunting his stick and saying, you know, I still got it and I haven't been signed to a different team. <laughs> he's proving that he's the captain of this team. And uh, it's it's great to see. Um, I, I don't know how long he has on his contract. Is it three or four years? I believe it's three or four more years. Yeah, you're right. He runs yeah, I believe he's gonna you know he's gonna make the most out of that and uh, really help this team um, building the younger players before that contract expires. <clears throat> The only thing I would say, too, is does he even finish the contract? Because, um, you know, he has had some back surgeries and had some knee problems. So, I mean, he may call it quits even before the four years is up. I mean, I, I – uh, Max was taught me and Max were talking not too long ago and he goes I would be I wouldn't be surprised if they open Little Caesars Arena he plays that first year there and he just says hey I'm done after that and so I mean I guess that's an interesting thought to chew on um I guess my just quick two cents in there um for who I think has taken the biggest step I mean there's no question uh there's been a few players um but I would say the guy that for me has taken the biggest step forward and uh, a lot of people are going to be like, you're crazy. But Xavier Ouellette has been solid from the time that they took him out of the lineup um, or, or he played the first four games and then they took him out of the lineup, didn't play. Uh, I think he played three in his last 31 or something like that. And then he pl- he's played like ever since and he's been tremendous in every way possible. Um, I know he's not a power play guy. Uh, maybe at one point he will be. Um, but I think he's been tremendous, and I, th- you can't argue with the guys that you guys have said 
for sure. Um, with the exception of Manta's lack of, of defense, but Hey, I mean, that's just going to happen. They're young kids. Um, so the last thing we're going to talk about here is, um, or actually, I'm sorry, we're done here. Um, so basically all, all I'm going to do here is I'm going to update the playoff standings here and you guys can just chime in really quickly on which, which matchup you think is, is the best, um, you know, in terms of viewership wise and everything like that. And then you guys are free, free to go. So Prince, we have the Canadians and the Rangers, you know, the Habs are the number one seed. Uh, obviously that can change. Um, and then you have the Bruins and the Senators and the Bruins for all of you guys that don't know, they've lost three in a row three in a row and they have some tough games coming up against teams that they're chasing so hey i mean this might be the third year in a row where boston misses the playoffs in the last few weeks of the season then you have the capitals uh the number one seed they've already clinched uh, a playoff spot i'm pretty sure they're gonna clinch their division at some point here um and then against the maple leafs that could be one of the series that could be an upset hey you never know austin matthews goes in and and beats the Caps, a team that chokes all the time. And then you got the Pittsburgh Penguins, the defending Stanley Cup champs against the uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's turning into a bit of a rivalry. Um, then you got the Sharks and the Flames. Um, Johnny Hockey against, um, you know, Jumbo Joe and maybe the last chance that they might have to lift the Stanley Cup there, the number one seed there. Um, Chicago is obviously the number one seed in the West. Um, but then you got the Oilers and the Ducks. Uh, Connor McDavid bringing the Oilers to the playoffs um, for the first time since 2006, I believe it is, uh, where they went all the way to the cup final and lost. Um, and then you got Chicago and Nashville, and also these things can change, but I would say most of the teams in the West uh, are pretty much set in stone because LA's fallen pretty far out of it. Um, and then you got the Wild and the Blues. Um, that's that's another series we haven't really seen too much of, but it could be a series that is uh, wildly entertaining. Um, Chris, I'm going to get your thoughts on what do you think is the best uh, matchup in the East and the West? Um, Possible matchup, I should say, because they are all pending whatever happens here in the last two weeks of the season, three weeks of the season. Okay, I'm going to say on the Eastern Conference first, I'm going to say a matchup that might happen, but it's not something you just mentioned. My prediction is that Ottawa is going to take first in the oh, yeah. Atlantic Division, and then Toronto is going to jump over Boston. And the best first-round matchup Americans may not agree with will be Montreal versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. I oh, personally that think that be. is going to happen, and that would be a fun series. And that that's a series that no one thought they'd see in a, in a bajillion years, especially with the way the Leafs have been the last few years. But but I think that would be uh, quite an entertaining quite entertaining. Uh, series to, to watch uh, as a, a non-fan of both teams. Um, and then, I don't know, over in the West, uh, they all seem pretty intriguing. Uh, I kind of I think with the West, I'd have to say I have a little bit of a soft spot for uh, for Calgary. So I think their first-round matchup with, with San Jose would be fun to watch. But then, again, you have Edmonton, like you said, being in the playoffs for the first time in, in about 10, 11 years. That, that would be uh, fun to watch too with Connor McDavid and then uh, – or you could, you know, just go with the usual rivals in, in Blackhawks versus Predators. But I'm not going to lie. At the same time, I could care less about the playoffs because the Red Wings aren't in them. So whatever happens, I don't care. I agree. Um, <laughs> Travis, your thoughts uh, on the East and the West? I'm going to go with Columbus 
and the Oilers. I when I heard that Columbus was doing their game streak in mid-December towards the end of the year, um, I think I tweeted they're going for the cup, and that's who I that's who you know I could see. I don't think Pittsburgh is going to go like they did last year. Um, you know, Crosby having his hot streak right now and all these fancy goals, you know, that doesn't matter in the playoffs. Um, you, you could take a first round exit like the Caps always do or like we do. So I think, I uh, you know, with McDavid taking the Oilers to the playoffs the first time in 15 years. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't, I don't think that's right. Sorry. Like nine. Well, years 2006. Years. Yeah, 2006. 2006. So whatever. Um, how many every years that is? Um, yeah, I think Edmonton's gonna go for uh, a deep race in the playoffs. And I think Columbus, Edmonton. That's my choice. Well, we all know I love Connor McDavid. So, but that's the besides the point. George, your what's your thoughts on on this playoff potential playoff race? Because it's not over yet, of course. Uh, in the East, uh, I. I'm really intrigued to see what who plays against Montreal, and uh, mostly because I like. Well, I, I Montreal is not my favorite team by any stretch of the imagination, but I like to watch them play. I, I think that the um, especially since Call of Claude Julian took over, um, you know they can roll four lines. Uh, they don't necessarily have a superstar save save Carey Price, but but they do things the right way. Um, they play really strong offensive hockey and their defense is good. And I got a bit of a stop. I hate to say it. I've got a bit of a soft spot for Steve Ott. I want to see how long he can go uh, in the playoffs. Uh, and in the West, obviously Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers are going to be um, fascinating to watch, but I, I, I'm, I'm speaking of devil's advocate. I go with Calgary here. Uh, they're a team that I, I still don't really know what makes them work. And to watch that team um, develop and to see um, Johnny Goodrow and, uh, and, and, and their young forwards take a step forward would be really intriguing to watch. You know, Do they that, upset that's the Sharks? No. <laughs> but it'd, it'd be fun to watch him try. Of course, of course. I mean, and, and that's what the playoffs is all about. You never know. Um, you know, eight seeds beat one seeds, and, you know, it's, it's just kind of the way it works in the NHL. It's not the NBA where you have a one seed that's only beaten an eight seed once or, or an eight seed that's only beaten uh, one seed once in the history of that league, which is an absolute joke. Um, Tanner, what are your thoughts on this uh, playoff uh, format or not playoff format the um you know the, this playoff uh, picture here uh for the east i'm gonna go with you know it's not a lot of times in a first round matchup uh, if it holds that uh seeing a team like columbus and pittsburgh who both have uh, 100 points right now facing off in a first round um that would just be very interesting for me to see um they play each other i think one more time um, in early april um so you'll start to see that playoff picture shape up by then um and it's always obviously interesting to keep keep uh, tabs on the defending Stanley Cup champs. And I also like just watching the Rangers play playoff hockey, uh, just kind of an electric place, um, an electric team to watch uh, in the postseason. For the West, um, you know, Nashville's very scrappy when they get uh, into playoff time. 
Um, I enjoy watching them play, and I'm all for anybody who can go and uh, kick the Blackhawks' ass. So um, anybody who can defeat Chicago is good in the West for me. I agree. And uh, I guess just finishing off here, uh, I mean, the the series that intrigues me the most here in the East, I would say, um, just because of the way they play, uh, Montreal and, and the Rangers, actually, if that ends up holding up, because the Rangers are actually one of my favorite teams to watch, and as is Montreal, so I think that would be an intriguing series. Um, and then in the West, very really quickly, I think um, I think it would be the Blackhawks and the Predators. Although I do, I would like to see the Ducks and the um, the uh, Edmonton Oilers. So I mean, all of them intrigue me, but I would say the one that intrigues me the most is probably the New York Rangers and the Montreal Canadiens. So that's pretty much all we have here on Winged Octopus tonight. I know we did go a little bit long, but, uh, you know, it was definitely great having George on here, and we do appreciate him taking the time and everything like that. Um, you got you can follow the Winged Octopus on Twitter, at Winged Octopus. Um, if you guys want to shout out your uh, Twitter handles, George, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, hopefully you, you come so on again. Oh, yeah. Thanks no for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, not a problem at all, George. So if you want to just go ahead and shout out your uh, Twitter handle and, you know, where we can find your content and anything else you want to throw out there. Uh, well, the uh, Twitter handle is George, D-E-O-R-G-E, and Malik, M-A-L-I-K, just George Malik. And uh, the website uh, at Kukla's Corner, uh, I know people get a little confused with the spelling, K-U-K-L-A-S, that's Kukla's, and then a K corner k-o-r-n-e-r slash t-m-r that's that's the malik report so uh if if you want to read uh, that'd be great uh and if you want to chat that'd be awesome as well great great to have you on uh george um so we do uh, want to say that travis did have to run but i'll throw his uh i'll throw his twitter handle out there you can follow him at travis or trav swag i'm sorry um Chris, if you want to just shout out your handles and you can head on out. Uh, yeah, uh, at Red Wings Memes. Uh, that's all one word. Uh, my personal account, you probably don't want to follow it because I talk about soccer all the time. So, at Red Wings Memes. <laughs> <laughs> and Tanner, finally? And mine is uh, the other T-Swift. Um, it's pretty easy to remember. Or you can just call him T-Swizzle. Or you that's can just fine, call me T-Swift, T-Swizzle, whatever works. I had all the nicknames before she came popular. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> There's a little competition there. Yeah, like I said, you can follow the Winged Octopus on Twitter, at Winged Octopus. You can also follow my personal account, at Mass Wings Fan, on Twitter. Um, you can follow our real host, because I did as best as I could hosting this. You can follow our real host on Twitter, at the Euro Twins. And uh, you can also follow us on Instagram uh, at Winged Octopus. And same, you can like us on Facebook as well. Other than that, thank you, George, for joining us. Thank you guys all for joining us. And you guys have a good night. Stay classy, Hockey Town. Hopefully this summer treats you well and you uh, have a good time at Little Caesars Arena in the fall. Have a good one. All right, thank you. You guys too.